curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Five-time author Kirby Hossman of Hossman Marketing released a new book this week titled The Give First Economy, How to Succeed in It. This book is an encapsulation of the many presentations Kirby has given on this topic in the last few years, and it's a great manual for any sales leader looking for a repeatable process for success using the true value of reciprocity as your North Star. We should all have a go-to approach, and then in this interview, Kirby lays out why giving with no expectation of anything in return is his default strategy of choice. After listening and reading his book, perhaps your opinion might also be swayed, and part two of his book is a guide for activity to start the process, so no objections about not knowing how to kick off your efforts. Kirby's a good friend and a frequent contributor to the show, so there's a special offer for a free version of the book buried in this discussion as well. So there's some reward to be had should you be interested in learning more. Give this one a listen. At this stage of the game, does it ever, is it like tattoos now? Is it like every time you have a book, you're like, ooh, I can't wait to do another book? Or is it like, oh, I got to do another book? When I did Fan of Happy, I didn't like think, Oh my gosh, I got to write another one. I think for me, it was simply, okay. I got to a place where with the gift first economy, I was doing that as a, as a talk. And so I was traveling around doing that. And then coming out of the give first economy, people were pushing back and saying, look, this all sounds great, but it sounds like a lot of work. Uh, and so then the second half of the book was sort of born with another presentation. And once, once I got that feedback on a regular loop, I was like, Oh, you know what, there's, if I just put these kind of two concepts together, I think I have another book. And to be honest with you, the writing of it, you know, the actual, just putting the thoughts on paper, outlining it, writing it didn't take that long because it was a topic I've been covering for the last couple of years. So yeah. it wasn't that, Oh my gosh, I have to write another book. It was, Oh, 
wait, I think this actually warrants a book. So let's put it together. So yeah, that's, that's the moment when you're like, I think there's a book here. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think there's a book here. So yeah. And getting to a place where not only recognizing that, that exist at that moment, but also then having the confidence to understand like, Oh no, I, I know, I know what this drill is about. I know how to make that turn into now something that I can put in front of other people is awesome. But let's, let's, I want to dig into a couple of the topic. I've consumed a lot of what you presented prior to it making its way into the book. So yeah. while I suspect some of your other interviews will be a little bit more surface level, mine has a tendency to get a little deeper into the uh, weeds of things. And this is no different. So cool. You talk, you talk a lot in the book about this thing called an appreciation gap. And yeah. I really wanted you to spread your wings and, and talk about the mechanics of what you mean there, because I think it's a really important topic. And I want to make sure that, that if that's a catalyst for people who want to pick this thing up, I want to give you the chance to explain why that might be of interest to someone who might want to read this. Yeah, thanks. I, you know, the appreciation gap is something I actually came up with just in writing a blog post at one point. And, you know, it reminds me, um, in my younger years, I would be with uh, companies. And it seems like in every company, right? Every company, if you ask employees what one of their weaknesses is, they say communication. But if you ask every single company, they're like, you know, we're great at communication. And somehow <laughs> there's, there's a gap. And I think that the same is true with appreciation. I think most leaders in organizations, most managers, most folks who are uh, doing their darndest to grow an organization, they feel like they are appreciating people. They feel like they um, pat people on the back. They feel like um, they, do, they go above and beyond to let their employees know. But most employees and most customers, uh, I think, would say, well, I mean, yeah, I guess they appreciate me. And so there's just this there's this gap in, um, you know, what we think and versus reality and trying to to fill that gap is important. The statistic that I talk about a lot is that. of customers who leave you leave you because of what they call perceived indifference. Right. And so essentially seven out of 10 customers who leave you leave you because they don't think you give a damn. And that's amazing. Um, I always say that it's both a a scary and an exciting statistic because it's scary (laughs) because yikes, 70% people don't think I care, but it's something you can totally fix. And so, um, most of the time, I think most organizations, mine included, can always do a better job of saying thank you. I like, I always joke when I'm, when I'm talking about this, that great parents, um, teach their kids two things right away to when they're first learning to talk, right? There's two yep. phrases. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. Of course you're a great parent. Um, and, but the secret that I tell everybody is like, as a parent, you get tired of hearing please right? Like it, it, that's all we ever hear as parents. Please. Can I have another, please? Can I stay? Please. Can I um, do whatever? But we never get tired of hearing thank you. And right. I think our customers, our employees, our board members, our sales team, whatever, they don't get tired of hearing thank you either. Um, they get tired of hearing please. Um, and despite how good a job we think we're doing in showing our appreciation, there's probably a gap between what we, we are doing and what we could be doing. And so that's sort of what the concept is around the appreciation gap. 
So listeners and potential book buyers, one of the things that you'll also want to recognize about this book is that Kirby puts his money where his mouth is these days. He doesn't just tell you about the fact that this appreciation gap exists. He gives you things to actually do, to actually schedule into your set of activities in order to mitigate what might be perceived as your own appreciation gap. And to me, that's uh, many of the authors that we see these days, there's been this pivot away from, I'm just going to talk about it in the book to know, like, we're going to actually give you things that you can use in order to be able to help shorten that, uh, that problem down to something actionable. Right. Uh, one of the other things that you talk about that's really good in there and uh, it really struck a nerve with me is this notion of uh, customers having what we'll call a BS meter. The idea of the fact that you may have all the best intentions in the world as a give first person. Right. But what you have to consider is the person on the other end of what you're trying to give and what they may perceive your offer as being. Yeah. So let's, let's get into the BS meter and kind of how that fits into uh, how this all works in the give first economy. Yeah, no, you know, it's funny, maybe I'm sure you've heard of this, Roger, but there's a term called uh, the rule of reciprocity. I first read it in a book called Influence by uh, Robert Caldini. And the concept is, and it's in every culture, right? It's not based on one religion. It's every culture has this is that if I give you something, Roger, you feel compelled internally. And there's a strong urge that you want to give me something back. It's just, it's that rule of reciprocity. And like we always say, marketers ruin everything. And so, <laughs> so uh, people have started to understand that rule and they've started to manipulate it. And so that's why you hear things, you know, nothing in life is free or if it's too good to be true, it's probably, you know, not true. That whole concept. So people, myself and you included, we, when somebody wants to give you something, you're like, why? Mm-hmm. What, what's, what's the catch? Um, and I think it's super important if you want to, you know, succeed in this, this concept called the give first economy is that you have to give expecting nothing in return. And the irony behind that is that when you authentically and sincerely give without expecting anything, you tend to get more back. It's the, it's sort of the, the irony in that piece. And so it, it really is, if you don't, people will sniff you out. Right. People will understand that, oh, okay, you're giving me this, this thing so that, the, that you can convince me to do this other thing. Um, I can see right through you. That's yes. I can see right through you. Yep. It's like, no, well, I'm in transparent in the first place, so why are you trying to see right through me? <laughs> yeah, but, but the cool thing about it is, and I talk a, lot, a little bit about this in the book, is once people understand that you actually are sincere, then they're really wowed because they're so unused to the idea of somebody giving authentically and not expecting anything in return. Um, now, you know, the, the, the pushback you always get is you're going to get taken advantage of. Right. 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 Um, and in a short answer, you will, if you, if you give authentically and transparent, transparently, as you mentioned, and sincerely, there are going to be people who take advantage of you, but it's important to go ahead and do it anyway, because the, the you know, all those people are doing is I, they're identifying the, that they are people you don't want to do business with long-term in the short term, you're going to be annoyed by it. Totally <laughs> get that. Right. <laughs> But if you continually do it over and over, you're going to attract the kind of people that you want as prospects and customers in your business. So fun fact. Okay. Let's take this to uh, even the next step. Not only do you have to give with the expectation of nothing in return, you have to give with the expectation that the recipient will sometimes not want what you have to give. Right. 
And that's even more difficult to try to comprehend because here you are well-intended trying to do the right thing, living by the tenets that Kirby has set forth in his manual on how to be a purveyor of the give first economy. And you go to do the thing and the person says, yeah, no, thanks. Yeah. And the uh, understanding and the, um, the willingness to be able to walk away from, I tried literally to give you something for nothing and you did not accept it is especially difficult Mm -hmm. (laughs) to try to comprehend. And that has much to do with what you're talking about when it comes to this BS meter. There's literally people that would rather not take what it is that you have to give them for fear of the fact that they might have to give you something in return. Yeah, no, it's it's a great point. And I tell you, it's funny. I'm listening to a book right now uh, by Simon Sinek called The Infinite, Infinite Game. And it, it reminds me of this concept is that when you do this, you have to be willing to be playing the infinite game. And I, we talk about this at our company, Hospital Marketing, where I always say, I want 20-year customers. And, what I, and the reason I bring it up is to say, look, if you continually do this over time, even those folks who don't trust you initially will start to because they'll be like, oh, okay, he's been doing this for five years and everybody I know says he hasn't taken advantage of them. But that, you know, the, the, the reality of it is that isn't about you. It's about them and it's about the, the relationships they've had, whether it's business or personal in the past, they've been taken advantage of. And so, um, you know, you got to give them a little bit of grace because generally speaking, it's not because they think you're a dirtbag. It's because other people have treated them poorly in the past and you have to overcome that. Well, and really what... I'm trying to get at there from the crux of this is there should be no time limit on your giving. Yes. Right. That if you really have the intention to want to build a relationship with someone and they're not initially receiving what you're hoping to give up to them in the way that you hope that shouldn't be the end of what you're trying to accomplish. It's building the confidence in the recipient to understand that your intentions are true is probably the most difficult challenge in all of this is having people recognize that like, oh, wow, this really isn't a I know that the other shoe is going to drop kind of thing. (laughs) Eventually, you know, sooner or later, even the most cynical person, if you don't execute on that part of their expectation, it will go away. Yeah. Well, again, it's so many times in sales and, and whether it's has to do with the gift first economy or just, Hey, you know, we're on the, so you're in sales podcast. So many times in sales, the answer comes off as no, but it's really just not now. Yeah. Yeah. And having the uh, intestinal fortitude and perhaps the system in place to remind oneself that there is a need for continuous giving when you're trying to build a relationship with a prospect might be the key to all of this because if it doesn't happen in the moment, you know, sort of in that vacuum of the interaction between you and that person, it doesn't mean that you should discontinue the interaction. Right. It means that perhaps it's just not time yet for that person to be able to warm up to what it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that that's where you've got to have multiple sort of uh, tools in your toolbox. Um, when it comes to that giving thing, I think when we're talking about it, I think right now it almost feels like we're talking one-to-one and that's important. Right. Um, but I think that's where like content, social media, you know, showing up on a consistent basis, doing that sort of thing where you are just, you are putting out content that creates value without saying, Oh, by the way, buy this, when you do that over time, it is amazing how many people are watching, reading, listening that you don't know about. And 
you know, and you'll appreciate this, Roger, every year we go to the PPI Expo in, in Las Vegas. And that's where I get such a face-to-face version of this because I'll put out content all year and I don't know. There's just a, a, a nameless, faceless crowd that hopefully there's a crowd that are <laughs> listening and reading and they present themselves. And I have that happen with um, prospects too, where all of a sudden they reach out to you and there's no funnel. There's no, Hey, they've got to get into my pipeline. They have been researching me for a year and they've, I didn't even know they were there. And then, but I've, I've spent the time building up that credibility with them, but also that trust and integrity. And they're coming to me. It's a long-term game. Totally is. Totally is. All right. So I want to switch gears. Kirby, how many handwritten notes do you get? And how many handwritten notes do you send? Yeah, that's a great one. And I'll be honest with you. This is a thing I preach a lot and I am not great at. I probably do three to five a week um, on my best weeks. (laughs) Um, There are weeks I do zero. And I need to do better. Um, And, you know, it's super old school, but it's also super powerful. Um, And I will tell you, I have one literally (laughs) right here. And so it's funny how many things you get in the mail. And I always joke that you open your mail standing over the trash can. And I'm no different in that way. But I have something in in front of me right now. And the best part of this, and you can see it, Roger, but it's a handwritten thank you for a gift that I gave somebody. So I gave first, they felt obligated to write me a thank you note. It was a handwritten thank you note on a beautiful uh, piece of paper. And so I've kept it. Um, it is amazing how powerful the simple idea of a thank you note still is yeah. almost more so because nobody does it. Okay. And so, um, as much as, so, so one of the things that we talked about, you said about systems in place, I was talking um, to my assistant uh, just the other day and said, look, we need to set a, a minimum viable threshold where I, you know, Hey, if they spend this much on an order, I need to write a thank you note, help me do that. Right. Um, and uh, that's one of those things. There has to be a system in place. Otherwise it'll get away from you. Yep. Um, but if you just take the time to um, do that um, old school, simple, quite frankly, inexpensive thing. It is amazing how, um, I, I always get a kick out of where I get, I will get thank you notes for my thank you notes. Right. Because it's totally. so rare. Yes. <laughs> yep. yep. So, and, and I've been compelled, honestly, in those instances to literally s- somehow reach out to that person and say like, Hey, thank you for sending me <laughs> something so personal. And I, this may seem a little hokey and maybe it has a little bit to do with our age in comparison to maybe some of our younger listeners. Mm-hmm. The idea of someone physically writing, mm-hmm. actually taking the time because it takes more time to handwrite something than it yeah. does to type out a message. It takes more time to know someone's address and to find a stamp and have all of those things in place to be able to send you something that conveys a message of how I'm feeling about you at this snapshot in time. Incredibly powerful. I really don't think it'll ever stop being so. And yeah. it's just a matter of people. People, go to your calendar right now while you're listening and type in an outline, uh, calendar invite to yourself for this Friday to write five thank you notes to anybody. So one of the other things that you talk about in the book is, and uh, really to me, that what I love about what you did is you can be a consumer 
of your book really across the spectrum of where you may be as an organization when it comes to where you are in content creation and production. So good on you for that. But for those of us who maybe are a little further down this path, you talk about this notion of being a broadcast network and having a a news channel. And what, why is that so important in your mind to the, the modern marketer and where does that fit in your mind in the sales mix? Yeah, I, you know, I think each of us is a media company, um, and I've been sort of parroting this for a while. I think that regardless of what business you're in, done right, everybody's a media company. So in other words, you if you're a car dealer, you're a media company that also sells cars. And what that means for you is just essentially that you need to start thinking of your marketing mix as like... Uh, NBC would think of it. So in other words, you want to create content that your prospects and customers will stop (laughs) what they're doing to go and and, um, consume as opposed to looking at it as every single piece of content you create is a commercial. You know, a media company has a nice mix. You know, they they create, you've got, uh, you know, some some content, some shows out there that people really want to see, and then they'll interrupt those shows in order to give them commercials, right? Um, And I think we need to start thinking of it as opposed to, historically speaking, we've been renting um, space from whatever media company we could afford. And so everything we created was an ad. And with social media, if every single thing you create is an ad, our customers have the ability to block you. And more importantly, they're not going to seek you out because nobody seeks out an ad. (laughs) They might seek out how to do a trade show better. They might seek out how to um, change the oil on their car, whatever. But if you create content, you want to create it with the consumer in mind. It's not about creating value for yourself, but creating value for them. And that's, that's what media companies do. I mean, they, you know, Netflix is creating amazing content, right? Um, so that you go and seek it out. And when they create content that everyone goes and seeks out, well, then they, they make out because you're going to pay the subscription model. Um, you know, I think we each need to think about our business that way so that, um, we become the, the company, the face, the person that a, you know, our prospects and customers think of when they think of what we sell, yep. whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I mean by that. And I think the mistake people make, and again, so much of this, you know, it's prescriptive to a degree, but I'm not perfect at it. Right. Um, I think sometimes I walk that line where I'm like, Oh, I'm selling too much here. <laughs> um, and then sometimes, and you've actually busted me on this. There's sometimes where I don't sell nearly enough, right? <laughs> right? Like I'm, I'm give, 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 and I don't ever go for the ask. So it's trying to find that mix to say, look, I'm trying to create content that my customers care about, yeah. not that I care about. Yeah. Okay. So uh, real life example. So let, let's talk about what that might look like. So we all know that our industry is by and large the stuff that gets handed out at a trade show. So let's just sure. stick in that lane for a minute. Sure. So if you said, hey, I am a channel that does nothing other than broadcast how to be the best trade show booth in all of everything you do, Mm -hmm. Mr. Customer. So uh, day one, I'm going to give you um, an interview with somebody who is an expert in trade show booth design. Right. Day two, I'm going to give you an interview with someone who is all about what signage and color is supposed to look like in a trade show booth. On day three... I'm going to give you examples of great um, 
promotional products that people have given that have created a call to action that created a lead from that trade show. And you did nothing other than just continuously and repeatedly broadcast things like that to people. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Not, 100%. Hey, I got a special on t-shirts and you right. happen to be going to a trade show. No, it's, I want to do more with my trade show dollar. Where can I go find information to help me do that? Right. No, absolutely. And I think it's, it's about being empathetic to the people you're trying to serve, right? Because, um, you know, some people are going to be like, how do you make your trade show booth easy to set up? Because that's going to matter to those people. How do you make it so it's easy to ship? What's the most cost-effective way to do this? How do you do an entire trade show experience for under $2,500? Whatever, right? Being thinking of the people who are trying to make these decisions and make their life easier and educate them in a way. And then, by the way, again, we talked about this just a minute ago. Every once in a while, and you have to determine the mix, but every once in a while going, okay, we talk a lot about trade shows, so now if you want to make your trade show be effective, please call me. I can help you make that happen, whatever. Or, but, or schedule some kind of incentive or promotion into your calendar that says, I've been talking to you about this for a period of time, but now it's third quarter of 2020. And I know that all of you guys are getting ready for Q4, which means you're setting budgets for next year's trade show. This would be the great time for you to actually consider making a switch. And I would be the person based on the nine months of what I've been telling you <laughs> that is yeah. now make you the, me the person to choose to make that decision with, right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, but the other thing I'd say, and this is the part that I think we struggle with too, is that when you go for the sale, just go for the sale. Don't try and confuse it with like, I think one of the things that we do is we're like, okay, I'm going to create this nice piece of content. And then on the way out the door, I'm going to try and sell you something. I think delineating those is sometimes important to say, look, I'm, this is straight up a sales call. (laughs) And then like, and I think I talk about this a little bit. Sometimes you just want to say thank you. And I think one of the mistakes we make is we try to say thank you and then work a sales call in. Like when you're saying thank you, just say thank you. When you're creating content, just create content that's a value. When you're going for the sale, go for the sale. People expect you to do it. They wouldn't be following you on social media if they didn't expect you to try and sell them something at some point. At some point. It's just not always. Not (laughs) right. And especially not to start. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, All right. So Kirby, I know this, uh, your book's releasing this week. So Mm -hmm. that's exciting. And I know that, uh, in staying consistent with the give first economy, you have a little bit of an offer going on right now that you might want to talk to the people about so that they know how to get, into the Kirby Hossaman Give First Universe without necessarily yeah. having to lay out a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously I would love it if people ran out and bought a hundred copies of the book and their physical bo- copies are for sale. Uh, this week, uh, we actually are offering the Kindle edition of the book for free. So uh, we th- this whole, whole week, they can go and get the book for free on the Kindle um, to check it out. There's no catch. There's no, not trying to, not trying to sell you anything. Huh. Um, 
if you miss that opportunity, I think we're going to end up introducing other ways that you can get the, the digital copy for free as well. But for the very finite window of this week, obviously, we've got the physical book. We're coming up with the audio book. I'm just honestly, it's recorded. It's edited. It's ready to go. I'm just waiting for uh, Amazon to, to make that live. I'll, I'll announce when it is. But then we've got the ebook. And one of the things that I wanted to do with the Kindle version and the ebook is to spread the word. Like, I think we, and, and you've had a chance to, to look at it. Um, these are concepts that make sense to our business, but they make sense to our customers too. Yeah. And so one of the ways that I think people can give is just to give the book, yeah. right? And, and if you can get a digital version of it for free, it's really easy to do. Right. And so I wanted to sort of, what is it? Live my truth. Live my truth. <laughs> I wanted to live my truth. And uh, uh, so, yeah, we're offering it as a, as a deal this week uh, on the Kindle. So if you just go, type in the Gift First Economy in Amazon, uh, the Kindle version will be for free. Well, I highly recommend it as a part of your outbound marketing strategy for anybody who has not yet had the opportunity to check it out. I would strongly recommend at least giving it your set of eyes, but doing it within the context of would this be of benefit to any of the people that I do business with or would like to do business with as a way for me to solidify my relationship and live the give first model? So Kirby, man, I appreciate you coming on and talking about the book. You're getting to be a, a author regular these days. So I'm excited to see what kind of reaction you get from the marketplace. Let's go around. Dude, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it, Roger. You got it, man. So there you have it. I thought one of the most interesting statistics that was shared as part of this interview is that nearly seven out of 10 customers leave because of perceived indifference. And I don't know about you, but we Midwesterners, oftentimes, we don't tell you that we're leaving, we just go. So you may not even know that we've left you until you realize that an order or a contact that you were expecting from me didn't happen. And so that's a reality. You've got to be thinking about how you can hold on to your customers that you work so hard to get when knowing that there's a good chance that seven out of 10 of them will leave you should you not do so. So um, there's really, you know, other things. There should be no time limit on your giving when a no answer is just a not now. Uh, Rely on your systems to give you more chances to give. Uh, How content takes a prospect down your sales funnel the powerful strength of a handwritten note, uh, getting, getting a thank you note for your thank you note. So please, people, write five thank you notes th- this week if you can. I really enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Please subscribe, share what we're doing on the So You're In Sales podcast with friends. Let people know, leave us a positive review so that we can continue to get the high quality guests that we continue to share with you. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next time.